Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Good morning, Vietnam! Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to Two Dudes Movie Reviews. Mara, the meatloaf! You see what happens, Larry? How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works. Every time. I am loving this. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Come with me if you want to live. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny! Ahoy, movie lovers! Ye be hearkening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews! With Sky, Ian Cullen. Hark! Hark! <laughs> May Triton strike ye down in the depths of the sea. I love when he yelled hark. Uh, it's obviously my favorite part of the movie. But welcome to another episode of ToDoesMovieReviews.com. How you doing, Swampies? Of ToDoesMovieReviews.com? ToDoesMovieReviews.com. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> I'm just fiddling with Welcome this. Welcome to another episode of Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky and Colin. You can find us on twodudesmoviereviews.com. There we go. Chicka, chicka. <laughs> you, you like spit that at I the know. swampies. That was, that was sick. That was that was very nice. I was like throwing rhymes like a fucking flamethrower. Yeebe. What am I talking about? Because you got the hot fire. I understand. Got, I think the swampies okay. get it. Oh, you got the hot fire. I got that hot Flame fire. Those are hot. Yep. Fuego. Exactly. As they say in my native tongue. Fuego fire lit. <laughs> lit dab. Fuego fire oh, lit dab. I just dabbed into my mic. I don't know if anybody heard that, but I definitely jostled some shit around in our studio here. But yeah, man, uh, we are here for a much anticipated episode for us. Yeah. Because you know your boys at twodudesmoviereviews.com be spanking it hard to A24 films. We love A24. I beat my dick the second i see those that one letter and two numbers wow <laughs> I, i'm just like what's this trailer here and it just pops up black screen white letters a24 whoa. and i'm like oh <laughs> whoa whoa i'm gonna see it i mean we just talked about a24 movies and what a hot streak they're on when we did oh. um what, what did we just do that we were talking about. Well, we the did Uncut park? Gems in the trailer park. That's what it was. Uncut yeah. Gems. We were talking about what a roller on. Just but, this year for them. Holy mm-hmm. shit, man. There was movies when I was talking about 2019, when I was like, they did all these movies. There was a bunch in that that I didn't even bring up. Like, I know. Like the Death and there's of stuff Dick that's Long. coming out soon that we haven't even talked about that is A24. Yeah. The Death of Dick Long, though. I, I think I watched that after we did that trailer park, and I really like that, too. And that's A24? Yeah. Crazy, man. It's so nuts, but... Yeah, this is our The Lighthouse episode, mm-hmm. and man, what could you think of a better movie for us to do on this podcast? Because our show is called Two Dudes Movie Reviews, and this movie is just about two dudes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they would call themselves dudes. This is from a time before dudes. This is pre-dude territory we're going. Yeah. Into the- They're wikis. Two wikis. Couple of wikis. What is a timber man <laughs> want, want to be a wiki? wiki. 
Two wikis, lighthouse maintenance. <laughs> These wikis are a couple of sickies, though, because there is a twisty. <laughs> this is a twisty. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into it. This we will get into it. He's nuts. I didn't see any nuts, but I saw some butts. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Okay, if you're and f- mermaid pussy. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> that's it's funny. There's been two movies this year where I've seen like full frontal female nudity. Yeah. Both Robert Pattinson. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wait, what other thing was Robert Pattinson? Oh, High Life. High Life. That's right. Yeah. Very cool, bro. <laughs> Very cool. Very I th- cool. I literally, while I was watching in the theater, I was like, I. he looks at the script, he finds if that's in it, and he takes it. <laughs> and that was another A24 movie, High Life. Yep. Crazy, man. Coming back around. Yep. So... Very excited. We are super stoked. I am so excited because I saw this movie a couple days before you. Mm-hmm. And I think, what did I text you? I think I just texted you like, whoa, something like that. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think you just said like, whoa, or something like that. I know the day before you were talking about The Witch because you had finally watched right. it. Yep. Finally got around to seeing that because I had to do my study and my homework. It's really easy when a director has only done two movies. Yeah. He's done actually a few other things, and one of ooh, them. One of, oh no! Are we already starting? No, no, no! But ah. I'm, I'm gonna say this, and I'm sure I'm gonna say it. But if, if it, for whatever reason I forget, ask me. He did another thing that ties very heavily into this movie. Ooh, okay. In terms very of like cool. influences and stuff like that. Got you. Well, that is sick. Very excited to talk about it. I've been dying to talk about this movie. You're really the only other person I know who has seen it besides uh, my one friend Ryan. Who I don't I think I told you off mic, but I saw Ad Astra with him by accident. Yeah, we just happened to be sitting in the same row, and I look over and I'm like, "Uh, hey, bud," and <laughs> he actually writes reviews independently. And I asked him if he wanted to be a contributor on our website. Mm-hmm. So now uh, I'm going to be posting his Ad Astra review. He also just wrote a review of the Lighthouse, so I'm thinking I'll I'll put that up on our website. He's a very nice addition to have on our website. You want to yeah. know why? He does not write spoilers in his reviews. There you go. So that could be something for the Swampies. If like, you haven't seen a movie, read Ryan's reviews in our contributor section. I actually try and keep my written reviews spoiler-free. Yeah, I don't really spoil anything except for my like raw feelings on a movie. Well, that's that's your review. Right. Yeah. But but I get like very personal with it. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I trashed Jexy and Rambo <laughs> on the website. I don't know if you got a chance to read my reviews of that. I actually read a little bit of your Rambo one because I just wanted to feel the hate. <laughs> oh, so much. Like it really like you feel it. You feel it in your bones. <laughs> in but, your in your marrow. <laughs> yeah. But fuck all that negativity. We've been seeing so many good movies lately. Like I'm on a real high. Really feeling good. Mm-hmm. How how have you been doing lately with your with your movie goings or not even goings, but just like what you've been seeing? Uh, I think it's been a, a good streak. Yeah, honestly, the worst thing that I've probably watched lately was tolerable. Okay, so um, yeah, I don't think I've given out like because uh... that's the thing. Like in the last maybe like five or six movies, the last the worst movie I've watched was probably like a like a C plus. Oh, you you know what? There is a uh, a fairly new Netflix movie that I didn't hate. Which one was it? It was actually two. There's two that I... Which were the... <laughs> so one of them was surprising to me, In the Tall Grass. Oh, I didn't like that at all. You didn't like that? No. Why not? Well, tell me why you liked it. <laughs> go, go, I, was, go, I was very intrigued by the premise of it. Okay. And watching it made me really want to read the novella. 
Okay. Which is actually written by Stephen King and his son. Okay. Like they they tag teamed on it. So like it intrigued me in that. Now, granted, there were some things that I did not like about it, like tree face people and like the weird mud folk that are like underground and like that crap CGI. You like the head crush? That was pretty that made me laugh though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like that's the thing is I enjoyed watching it. I didn't take it too seriously, but like that concept, that whole idea of like being in this field that's like ever changing and you like, you can't get out and like, and it like fucks with the space time continuum. <laughs> you know, that's something they actually added in the movie. That's not in the original story. I, so that's weird, but go on. Yeah, yeah. But like it definitely gets really screwy in the third act mm-hmm. and weird, like especially when uh spoiler alert, a woman gives birth to a baby and then is immediately fed that baby. Mm-hmm. Pretty crazy. But that's actually in the novella too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't put anything past Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. For me, like it's definitely a movie that I think you need to think about after the fact, especially with like the time loop and all that stuff. Cause there's right. a lot of like highbrow, I guess um, theories and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just like, I wasn't enjoying it enough for me to even want to give it any thought. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. No, I had I actually liked watching that movie. I was I think I was going in with such low expectations that I was just like pleasantly surprised by an interesting premise. I think it's a much more interesting movie than a lot of other dog shit horror movies that end up coming out. Interesting, um, yeah. I just felt like there's movies when they end where you want to explore them, and yeah, and that one was just too mediocre in my opinion for me to actually want to spend the homework on. See, I, d- I wanted to do the homework almost because there were things that I was just like, I felt were not answered or not answered the way I wanted to. So I just wanted to see what the original was like, what the real story was like. So I'm very interested to read that. But I didn't even give that like an amazing grade either. Mm-hmm. But what I did really enjoy is Dolomite is my name. Oh, I, I have to watch that. See, With I didn't Eddie know. Murphy, like, yeah, I didn't know that that was out. You told me today it's out. Such a good comeback for him. It might be my second highest rated Netflix movie this year. Paddleton's your number one? Possibly. I don't remember what I gave Paddleton. I thought you gave it an A. Then they might be tied. Oh, okay. Because I really like Dolomite. It's 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 funny and it's really uplifting. Like I wasn't expecting it to have like the charm and the heart that it really does. But it's just it's just a really cool movie and like I got like happy chills at the ending. <laughs> like like I legit got chills for it cuz like it really is just very heartwarming and like cuz if if you know anything about like Rudy Ray Moore, he was very DIY. Like he did all of his shit like himself and he like created that Dolomite character out of a need of being relevant within like the the entertainment business and like he just he put his money like he wanted to make his albums and then he like used the album money to make his movie like he just wasn't taking no for an answer from anybody and it's just really cool and just like a really positive story and it's great seeing eddie murphy in something good but also like something like r-rated and like bringing back to his his origins in like movies because like you think about Eddie Murphy now, like a lot of like young people really just know him for like these bullshit movies, like your Pluto Nash, I was gonna say your Daddy Daycares, stuff like that. <laughs> this movie actually reminds me a lot of Bowfinger, which I really like Bowfinger, but I know that's not a movie that a lot of people give a lot of praise to, but I think Bowfinger is great and it reminds me a lot of that kind of idea, but also, uh, I don't know, it kind of like goes back, like he started off as like an R-rated 
I mean, his stand-up yeah. is some of like the most offensive stand-up comedy you'll fucking find ever. Mm-hmm. And then you even go into his movies like Trading Places and Beverly Hills Cop and stuff like that. Like they are very like R-rated movies. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's this just is a cool. return to form. Yeah, and that's really cool. So I had a great time watching that. You should watch that. That's that'll actually, be the next movie I watch then. That'll reinstate your faith in Netflix. Okay. <laughs> it, and I thought I thought we would have to wait for the Irishman to get a good Netflix movie, and I I totally forgot that this was coming out, and I'm I'm just so happy that it did. You know what? There's actually been a few. You know, I constantly shit on Netflix movies on this show. There's been a few yeah. that I've actually... Because I watched Late Night. Did you watch that with Mindy Kaling? Oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually kind of like that. That's not a Netflix movie. Oh, it's not? I no. thought that was a Netflix movie. It, or is it an Amazon movie? That might so be what it was. So it's put out by Amazon Studios, but it was it had a theatrical release. I oh, saw it in it? theaters. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, never mind. I didn't, I didn't mind that movie either. I thought it was pretty good. I don't think I graded it too highly, but I think it was like middle of the road, like C, C minus C plus, like somewhere in the C grades. Okay. Okay, because yeah, I was watching it, and for whatever reason, I thought that it was a Netflix movie, and I'm sitting there like, man, this ain't crap. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this is all right. But no, yeah, not only is it not Netflix, it's Amazon, and not only is it not just an Amazon Prime original movie, it was a theatrical movie. I think it I, just happened to be Amazon Studios put it out. Like, I think The Big Sick was the same way. The Big Sick was in an Amazon. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, like theater. Amazon Studios got movie. you. They do that now and then with. Mm-hmm. But not everything. Like some things do just go straight to Amazon. Yeah. Actually, a movie that I watched recently, which wasn't like you're not going to watch and be like, holy shit, that was amazing. But something I wasn't expecting to enjoy and then I actually enjoyed it a good amount. And I probably might like it less if Ford vs. Ferrari is good just because it's a car movie and they're probably going to get compared a little bit. Okay. Uh, a movie called Driven with Jason Sudeikis came out. Huh. I watched that. It's based on a true story. It's about the guy, DeLorean, the guy who oh, made the DeLorean. Cool. And but it's a true story. It remind. Do you ever see American Made that came out two years ago with uh, Tom Cruise? No. It's kind of like. Well, I know the story of the guy who made the DeLorean. It's crazy. Yeah. So like, it's this is you know a true story. Like, Full blown like cocaine riddled. Well, yeah. This is this is basically how he got into that yeah. whole thing, um, and sheds light on the story. But um, I just found it really interesting. And Jason Sudeikis, I like a lot. I was pretty into it. His acting, he plays a character that you don't want to like because he's a scumbag, but you just can't like help but like him because he is charismatic and he's just like, he's such a fucking that's, that's, liar and shit that you just, you almost believe him. That's how good he was in the movie. That's that's basically like how I feel about Wolf of Wall Street. And I know that movie gets a lot of shit for just like, it's just like fucking rich bro dude assholes. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I felt, I felt like I found something not endearing to- about yeah. it or something like really just about like Leo- i think just because leonardo dicaprio is such a good actor yeah and it is a very funny movie that i was just like way into it even though like he really has like no redeeming qualities throughout the movie yeah i was still like no he's all right like he's fine like he's really funny <laughs> i'm not fucking leaving <laughs> i re- i actually enjoyed it i didn't like i said i didn't love it i wouldn't if i had to grade it probably be like a b minus something like that That's still pretty good but yeah like b minus c plus i still had no expectations for it, and then I was like, "Oh well, nice." Where's that on? Is that on like Amazon, Hulu, any of that? I'll have to check um, that out. I don't know. I I watched it. Um, I watched it. I rented it. So got you. Yeah. I know what rented means in your world. Correct. Got you. Wink, Rent. wink, wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Rented I rented it. it. Got you. Well, fucking cool, man. And you know what? There's a lot of movies that are coming out soon because that's how the world works. There's just always movies coming. Hollywood ain't stopping for us, kids and swampies <laughs> alike. So there's a place I want to go 
to learn about these new movies. And maybe it's not a place that you would think about getting an education from, but it's a place nonetheless, and it's a place that I like to call The Trailer Park. More like The Trailer Hark, am I right? (laughs) What are we talking? We are talking because the lighthouse, lighthouses are like on the shore, on islands, by oceans and the sea, where there are lots of sea animals and boats riding along the waves of the sea, we are going to see the trailer for Waves. <laughs> wow. An A24 movie. Yeah. I've been, the real tie is that it's A24. I was thinking the real tie is the movie's called Waves, and there's a lot of waves and you in saw the White waves. House. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, fuck A24 then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, um, I've actually I've seen a lot of uh, like written not reviews but like just like buzz about it uh, articles and stuff or even just it being promoted on A24's website but I hadn't seen a trailer for it until I saw the lighthouse the other night and it played same as these so yeah I was pretty excited to see it we can get into it but the director of this movie has me pretty excited oh really who yeah. is it Trey Edward Schultz is the director on it that sounds familiar so the last movie he did 2017 also a24 he did it comes at night okay and i'll just that's about uh my (laughs) masturbation ritual (laughs) i knew you're gonna go there (laughs) (laughs) i am it it is me (laughs) it is me you are it (laughs) you are it it is made of you you and him are the same (laughs) he is your clone you are him and he is you (laughs) direct quote from gemini man yeah you're almost as good as will there (laughs) But no, It Comes at Night, movie that got a lot of heat when it came out, but I really? actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. Why? So, like, it was marketed as a horror movie. Oh. And it's really not that. I mean, it is unsettling at parts, but it was marketed as a horror movie. And they show, like, some really disturbing imagery in the trailer where it's like guys with, like, blacked out eyes and they're, like, spewing, like, blood and shit all over. And then all those scenes in the movie, spoiler alert, were dreamy sequences. Oh, I think and, you talked about this when we were doing the lighthouse as a trailer park. You're yeah. like, oh, I really hope, like, because they got heat in the past, like, in a, another A24 movie. Didn't realize yeah. this is the one. So that actually is another deeper connection and why we're doing it, obviously, for, obviously. The, for this movie. So Yeah. I think this is what would sell you on it. The movie is really, like, the actual horrors in the movie I won't tell you what the situation that the characters are in in the movie and like what it is. Yeah. But basically the whole movie is like the real horror is like human condition and how we turn on each other and stuff like that. That's cool. I like stuff like that. Yeah. I, th- I actually, when I watched it, I was like, this guy might be into this. Yeah. So I like weird shit, but it, but it's a different type of movie. Like that's the thing is it's very original, which a lot of a 24 is a 24 is very original with their content. Yeah. And you're, you're not getting blockbusters out of a 24 and you're not getting, reboots uh sequels prequels any of that shit out of a24 like yeah. they are straight up like four artists mm-hmm. but they make some of the best shit so i don't know i i'm very excited for that because i know that this person already has the track record to make something that's way out of the box and has a lot more meaning behind it and um you know the, the trailer looks so far it looks like it's gonna be some powerful stuff yeah it's awesome well do you want to jump into it you want to jump in and ride these waves? Let's fucking pound the waves. <laughs> Ciao, bro. It's Just <laughs> riding some tasty waves, listening to some crunchy tunes. 
I was hanging out down at the surf taco shop and a surfboard dropped, bonked me on the head, and now I'm this guy. <laughs> it's not that kind of movie at all. Shot it. <laughs> Waves. I hope this trailer has some crunchy tunes <laughs> and some beautiful, bobacious babes. <laughs> Bo- bobacious. <laughs> I think it's bodacious. It I is. Have... I like bobacious. Though. Bobacious. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, dude. I smoked a ton of that dirty skunk weed. <laughs> You want to get into it, though? Chot it! Chot it! There it is. That A24, fucking logo. man. I'm, I'm going to get the A24 logo Love's tattooed on my arm somewhere. Love's and uh, it's going to be up to the Swampies to tag them so that I can get, like, free Love screeners also. to A24 <laughs> movies or just, like, free merch from them. Sterling K. Brown, though, has been in a lot of movies recently. Yeah. Because he was in, in uh, he was in the Predator. He was actually in the Angry Birds movie too. Hotel Artemis. He was in, and Black Panther and Marshall. So yeah, he's been doing, he's doing a lot, keeping busy, which is good. Was he? Was he also? Is he in Brooklyn Nine Nine? Or, or no, he was in a Brooklyn Nine Nine episode, I think. Maybe. I think. And I think a lot of people come in and out of like yeah. shows like that for cameos. One episode. I mean, this is a very different tone already, and I haven't even seen the. Uh, uh, it, okay, it comes right? on me at night, <laughs> but it already looks a very oh, yeah. different tone than what you were describing. Tear your heart out. So it looks like family, family drama. There's that guy who we love. Who, him? Uh, no, a guy from uh, Honey Boy and all that. Lucas Hedges? Yeah. Is he in this? Yeah, is you that... didn't just see him? No. If he's in this, that is awesome. Yeah, he showed up in a flash. Damn, I need to go back, because if he's in this, I'm probably going to be even more excited. Oh, yeah. Now, it... I mean, I know we're not doing the Honey Boy episode, but, like, is he a... Uh... Is Honey Boy A24 too? Ooh, that I don't know. They got to get their hands on I don't that property. I don't think it is. Oh, okay. This, you know, we're talking 824. This reminds me a little bit of another 824 movie, Lady Bird. You think so? Yeah, I'm getting that vibe. Just, just because they're driving in a car and the kid's hanging out? Yeah, exactly. No, th- <laughs> I mean... Jump out of a moving car? This looks, though, like it's... it's uh, Lady Bird had more humor to it. It did, but at its heart, Lady Bird seems like it's a parent... Sibling or parent, uh, you know, daughter or yeah. son relationship movie where it's about, you know, navigating your place in the world and stuff like that. That's what this. Okay, yeah, you're right. Lucas Hedges is, isn't it? Yep. This looks like it's a lot about the relationship between the dad and the son, though. I don't know. I'm getting that vibe where this is going to be one of those movies that's going to be like, like it said, tear your heart out. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty sad, or there's going to be a lot of emotion behind it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're seeing a lot of emotion from the young actors in this too, like in these you know, quick glimpses of scenes, a lot of range of emotion, anger, happiness. Like there's a scene where um, it looks like the the son is like injured or something. He's like got his arm in a sling and he's crying. Like seems like there's a lot of vulnerability in this movie. It almost has, I think in terms of like tone and not, not in terms of content in any way, but in terms of like the feeling that it's giving me by watching this trailer, kind of similar to the farewell. If I had to pick another a 24 movie, like especially from this year, Mm Mm-hmm. Because that movie is very like it pulls on your heartstrings, and, and I mean it's I mean it's playing with the theme of of death, so it is a little bit 
different than what we're getting here. But also this trailer doesn't really tell you too much about the plot. Like the, maybe the plot really just is that coming of age and uh, like what you said, finding your place in the world. Well, and- that's like the, like I said, Ladybird. Ladybird doesn't really have like a real kind of story where there's like a problem. It's kind of just events that lead them through the story. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's small events that feel real that end up leading to a certain place. And that's your character arc. Yeah. That's kind of what this looks like it may be. Just from what I'm getting. I have no way of knowing that until I actually see the movie. But it looks like there's a lot of different set pieces in here. And, you know, I'm just getting the vibe that it's going to be something where it's like the the son's like trying to grow and the dad's maybe not letting him or something like that. Yeah, I know. It, it's tough to really say too much about this trailer because, you know, it, it really is just showing us little bits of various scenes not really giving us any bit of story in here. But yeah, I mean, the the range of emotion that you even see in these short scenes and like this scene, especially like towards the end of the trailer or no, sorry, towards the beginning of the trailer where they're all sitting at like the, like a diner or something. And they all like kind of have their head down. Like it looks like they're going to be showing like a lot of different dynamics of like family relationships and Mm -hmm. stuff. And, I think that's stuff that really like hits home for for people because like we all got family members. So. <laughs> We'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're Batman, you just have Alfred. Oh, I was gonna made in a test tube. <laughs> that too. You're a test tube baby, but you know what? Somebody had to make that test tube. Basically, exactly. your dad. Exactly. It looks like the main character though is Kelvin Harrison Jr. He okay. was in It Comes at Night. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's familiarity there. Mm-hmm. I feel like we say this a lot. It's hard for me to really judge how this is going to be, but based on the studio, based on who's making it, based who's involved, I feel like this is going to be pretty good. When is this coming out? Did it, did it have a release date? Um, Yeah, it actually comes out in less than a month. November 14th. Oh. November 14th. Nice. 2019 movie. Yep. We can keep the streak going of good movies. Holy shit, that'd be great. Is I mean, assuming another, it's good, but... Yeah, another feather in A24's cap for the year. This I mean, does look very oscar baity. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. There's a few coming out now. That, I mean, just in general, that I see the trailer, and I'm like, that's oscar baity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, one of them already flopped. I thought the Goldfinch looked a little oscar baity, and it yeah. flopped horribly, but... <laughs> and we got... Um... Beautiful day in the neighborhood coming. Beautiful day. I think Rachel Jewell looks a little bit Oscar Beatty also. I know you're not too into that. Yeah, that doesn't look like it's gonna do anything for me. Like I, I feel like that movie's gonna come out and be a bust. Like it just didn't seem interesting. I don't think it is strictly just because Sam Rockwell's in it. <laughs> he doesn't put out bad movies, so I'm like, um, I don't know. He's been in some less than good movies. Charlie's Angels. Is he in the new Charlie's Angels that's coming out? No, no, no. He was in the first one. Oh, okay. I was gonna say lately though, like. Look at some of the stuff. Vice. Um, best Rio of Bobo Enemies. Boards. Best of Enemies from this year wasn't that great. Oh, I didn't see that. Yet. He was in that. Like it wasn't terrible. It was far from like an F, but it was just man. I think I gave it like a C minus D plus. But it's like another. It's like a Green Book problem where it's just like white savior type deal. Okay. And I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I don't think, know, but I think the last uh, either I'm two. I'm not knocking him. I love Sam Rockwell. Yeah, I was gonna say I think the last two or maybe even three years, a movie that he's been in has been nominated for Best Picture. Hey, he's in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, he's in Jojo Rabbit. Excited to see that too. But uh, yeah, you want to get out of this fucking trailer park? Yeah, let's get out of here. Life's a beach. That explains the waves. Life's a beach. It's sandy. Sandy vagina.
Well, it was in this movie. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> I wasn't just saying it to be a weirdo. It, I mean, I am a weirdo, but it makes sense, man, because we're about to get into it. So excited. I actually know behind the scenes stuff. So The Lighthouse, directed by Robert Eggers, written by Robert Eggers and his brother, whose name I don't know. Max. Max Eggers. <laughs> now, the funny thing about the production of this movie is they were filming last October, but they had to pause because the brothers were arrested because it was the night before Halloween and the police noticed all these cars were covered in egg. And they were like, we got to find these Eggers. Oh, geez. Who could have done this? I was legit <laughs> interested. And the, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they, they were like, it must be them. It's literally their namesake. <laughs> They're the Eggers, the of, Eggers. This, of this house and those cars. Damn Eggers. <laughs> Damn Eggers. <laughs> They're from the trailer park. Uh, fun fact, though, this was Max Eggers' script. Right, I know. He he was the uh the original writer yeah. of it and so, then Robert Eggers came in and kind of polished it up. Yeah, Max Eggers apparently he told him he's like, "Hey, like I got this idea for like this story. It's it's going to be a, like a ghost story in a lighthouse." And he was like, "Oh, that's that's fucking awesome." And then I guess he like came back into my notes. Okay, that's fine. Oh, okay. Go ahead, cross that out. <laughs> Damn, wow. But yeah, he he came back to his brother and I guess he was like, "You know, how's that script going?" He was like kind of like iffy yeah, on like, it. In a like cu- Stuck in a rut, and he's like, "Oh, can you take a look at it?" Yeah, and it's funny because Robert Eggers, like the first thing he says, he's like, "All right, I think it should be a, a period, period piece." piece. <laughs> and it's like, "We get it, Robert. You only shoot things pre nineteen twenties." Yeah, like, <laughs> that's kind of a thing where, like, full disclosure, I'm trying to get this fucker on the futon, or at least on a Skype call with us, because I, I see him in a lot of interviews, and they all ask the same questions. Oh, interesting. You shot it in black and white. Oh, 35 millimeter film, blah, blah, blah. Like, how was it working with these two actors? Very intense. But nobody is asking him the only question I want to ask him. And it's what is his inspiration for, like, being drawn to these pieces that are, well, one period pieces, but especially of a time like the 1800s and stuff? Because, like, The Witch is. Which is 1700s, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So. The the witch, same thing, like the end of that movie, and I guess I'm jumping ahead to something because it's something I learned in the credits of The Lighthouse, but uh, it's non-spoilery. In The Witch, because I just watched that, at the end of it, it says how uh, a lot of the dialogue is pulled directly from like trial papers from like the witch trials, and it's taken of journals from that time period mm-hmm. so that he can kind of like master the way that they speak. He did the and same thing for this, too. He did the same thing for this. He took maritime journals, and he took actual journals from lighthouse keepers of that time and, like, studied the way they talk, and that's how he, like, wrote it. So, like, there's something very poetic about both of these movies, especially The Lighthouse, which will, I you know. I would, I'll, yeah, I would I'll say The Lighthouse more in. so. Yeah. Oh, definitely more so. But even when watching The Witch, there's such... Like a, the way they speak, like there's no wasted words. Mm-hmm. There's not, it's so tight and perfect. Like there's not a phrasing that you could change and convey the same message. And I think that's a real strong point that he has going in his two, you know, full length motion pictures that he has under his belt now. Yeah. That, well, he's got like an absurd amount of authenticity that I would say a lot yeah. of people don't have. Because he's, it's well researched. So, like, yeah. I wonder what his fascination is with going back and doing these pieces that the dialogue really revolves around a almost forgotten dialect, you know, like a way that nobody speaks anymore. 
and what kind of draws him towards you know doing things like that what mm-hmm. what brings him to that because nobody's asking him and how is it I can't be the only person who's noticed that at the end of both of these movies it explains how the research was done to write the script like you don't see that happen in a lot of movies where like they take the time to explain to you in the movie like hey just so you know there we really did our homework for this movie <laughs> Man, the craft. I mean, we haven't even gotten into the rest of it, so like, I'll, I'm gonna throw it back to you. But I, I just had to say something about that right yeah. away. Let me just get through the cast because it's gonna take two seconds, and then we'll get into the craft. Because yeah, I don't know is, if we have the, the time. Yeah, <laughs> the craft is my first note on it, so we'll just get right into it. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, this movie lean cast, really lean. Two people, <laughs> Willem yeah, Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Yep. And I had said this on a previous episode, but man, like, if you Still think Robert Pattinson is the Twilight boy. You're a fucking goon. Yeah, you gotta watch. You gotta watch. You gotta pay attention. I I really wanted to like do a post on our page where it's like before you decide if you want to see the lighthouse or not, if you are thinking Robert Pattinson, Twilight, here's a list of like five movies you need to watch immediately that'll totally erase the Twilight saga from your brain. Yeah. And you will <laughs> see him as a very serious, very fucking good actor Mm -hmm. like i am so high on robert pattinson right now like if you put him in a movie i'm going to see it immediately yeah like imagine him with um sorry i know you just said his name earlier but what's his name from the honey boy trailer and like lucas hedges lucas hedges imagine those two working together just the the sheer intensity that i've seen from them in recent films is something that like just needs to be be seen. Yeah, I I'm all about him. I, there's been recently people are like, who do they cast as the new Batman? I'm like Robert Pattinson. They're like, oh really? That guy? I'm like, I know. I'm like, oh. like no, you need to yeah. learn. That's, <laughs> just that's the other thing. That was the other thing I was saying too. Like I actually ran into our friend Ducky, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go see the Lighthouse. And they're like, oh yeah, he's like, oh yeah, it looks cool. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like so many people give shit Robert Pattinson just over the Twilight shit. Same thing with like the Batman thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, sh- shut the fuck up. He's done so much since then. Like, if anything, the type of stuff he does now really just sets it in stone. He's the perfect choice for a Batman right now. Yeah. Because the- he can bring something to Batman that nobody else who has portrayed the character has brought. Maybe Christian Bale, but I think uh, Robert Pattinson can play younger. So, like, you can get, like, a young... That's something that like, I actually... For year one Batman. Yeah. That's that's something that I think is really cool that has me intrigued with that is that it is probably going to be the youngest Batman that we've had so far. Yeah. So that's really cool. But yeah, no, Robert Pattinson is awesome. And like, I think the thing is that he does a lot. He's done a lot of indie films. Like he's done a lot yeah. of smaller scale indie films and they're films that people aren't going to go see in droves. Right. So that's and, why the mainstream audience doesn't know him yet as this real actor, yeah. the serious actor. But he is, if you're listening, Robert... We fucking love we you. We <laughs> fucking love you. Please no, come on the futon. No, not like come on the futon, but like sit on the futon. Maybe Willem Dafoe will, based on what happened in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ain't wrong. Yeah, no, I mean that's just Robert Pattinson. Willem Dafoe, I also really like, and it's it's funny they you know we're talking about um did you have these actors like in mind when you when you wrote the movie and they said yeah. Yeah. Who who knows if that's actually true? I think it is probably though. I think what it was is that uh 
because I, I did I think a lot of studying. They were both this. looking for right. something, right? They yeah. were, so, like, Robert Eggers was already talking to each of them separately about doing a project together soon. And then uh, he had this and then uh, showed it to both of them separately. And I remember, because he said it in the interview, the first thing each of them said after reading it was, who are you thinking about for the other guy? Yeah. And then he's like, when I told them each that it, it was each other, they both were just like, that's great. Yeah, I, and, I was gonna say, you know, we've been we've been blowing our load over Robert Pattinson, but, oh, but Willem Dafoe. But I, I was gonna say, like, if I was Robert Pattinson and I found out that I was gonna be acting just alongside just Willem Dafoe and the two, I'd be like so stoked. Cause, yeah, I know. Because I mean, Robert Pattinson, he's he is, you know, he's 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 an old spring chicken, but <laughs> but but but, uh, but like Willem Dafoe is probably like such an awesome guy to work with because like you can really look look up and to him. The career that he's had is yeah. incredible, and mm-hmm. how the longevity he's had and the wide range of roles that he's taken on and just what he brings to the screen and the intensity that he has really is something great for Robert Pattinson to play off of and could only help just raise, raise his bar a little bit more, you know, just like how much you could learn by acting opposite somebody like a Willem Dafoe is just like, it's, I love it's um, acting lessons that money can't buy. Yeah, I was gonna say I also I love listening to Willem Dafoe talk about like his approach to acting and stuff like that, and just like the minor details where he's talking about like the visual acting that he has to do in a scene where he's like, yeah, yeah you know, like I'm reading my lines and stuff, but I'm also like lighting this old pipe and like doing all these things that like you needed to learn how to do. Maybe not the pipe, but like yeah. being back on that piece, you needed to learn other things, you know that you had you has to do things in the move like in the scene where he, not only is he bringing his lines but he's also doing all these small things he has to pay attention to and you don't really understand the amount of things and the complexity that goes into some of these scenes when you're watching them I know but but that goes back to the authenticity of the film in general Yeah did you get any info or did you do the research on like the actual cameras that they used and everything like Yeah the lenses fucking are crazy, crazy. For, they use the lenses <laughs> no like from between the ages of the night of 1918 to 1938 yeah so the oldest or the youngest lens they used is from 1938 <laughs> and that's why and it's shot in um what is it like 119 one yeah screen, aspect ratio yeah, aspect ratio mm-hmm. and that's why it's a square yeah and uh second movie know, in two years to do that what was the first one mid 90s Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and the shot black and white, thirty five millimeter. Like, and uh, did you know also all of the structures in the movie they had, they had built? A build, yeah, so crazy to think about. Yeah, Nuts. I um, I thought about that afterwards because the film that they shot on it also needs to be lit. Like, it's everything is super dark with it, so you need to light everything super bright. Right. So I thought I'm like maybe when they were. Because that's something like we, we were watching Logan in black and white, uh, whatever it was, like two years ago. And we yeah. were talking about like, I wonder when they filmed it in color, if they filmed it with the intent of putting it in black and white or if it was a lot of post because you need to like yeah, have certain have to colors. Film differently. For so they it. were probably very conscious when they were, you know, building these things and lighting it and painting certain things like we got to make it these colors to make it stand out. Right. Because there's a lot of scenes that they said like the light bulbs that were in like the kerosene lamps and stuff like that were like crazy bright to, yeah, to get stuff. Cause that, cause they only used uh natural light and the lanterns. Yeah. But yeah, the lanterns had bulbs that were just way juiced up and like had like a flicker effect 
on like, on them, yeah, on the bulb itself, so they would look like a flame or whatever. Yeah, I'll I'll just say it. The craft behind this movie, almost everything is on an elite level. Yeah, and I think if you were to like take aspects of this film, like cinematography or acting or like the lighting or the costume design, all of it is probably in the top five for the year. Yeah. Like the craft behind it is is nuts. This movie can get an Oscar nomination for every category minus CGI, like special effects, that type of stuff, because it didn't use that stuff. Like yeah. Any like modern categories, animation, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of like, like everything you said, cinematography, lighting, costume design, uh, original screenplay, best picture, best actor, best supporting actor. I guess I'm blowing my load early on how I feel about this movie, but this movie deserves at least 10 Oscar nominations. I think it's going to get a bunch. Yeah. I think I think it will cuz yeah, the, the craft behind it, that's the one thing I kept thinking about is I'm just like, man, like dude, the sound design sounds awesome. Immediate it's my first note like between like the uh the like, lighthouse like siren like that goes through the whole fucking movie. I know it's so cool though and like not only that, and like the score is so good, it's so perfect. I love it, and it it's eerie, but it feels like it still feels like maritime, and like all of this, the instrumentation of the score, like it is like orchestral, but the horns are all really bassy, like tubas, yeah, bassoons, things, and then uh, you have the strings are all you know, whatever, double bass, cello, like all very low end. And it almost mimics the sound of like boat horns. Yeah. And that's so to be mindful of that and to kind of build your sound around the, the general aesthetic of the movie. Like it sounds like how it looks like it's crazy. Like, yeah, the, that the, amount of detail is just unheard of. The, I want to know, maybe you know. Do you know what, what they did for audio on this? Did they like mic it a certain way? I don't know because we talked about this in the uh, in the trailer park that it, it even sounds like they use like an older style. Yeah, of or or even maybe just put recording. like in post like a little bit more of like a like a like a crunch to some things because it sounds yeah. a little bit like it's recorded. It sounds enough like it was almost like recorded. a reel to reel, like or a tape, yeah, like a record or something like that. Like, yeah, it sounds old enough, like that it could be that, but it also sounds modern enough where it doesn't. You're not like taken out of the movie where you're like, man, the audio sounds like shit. Like, right, the audio is really good. It just has a little bit behind it where it just gives you that feeling. Like, it, yeah, it, it's all about putting you in the mood. In yeah, the for mood, sure, bro. Oh, I was in the mood the whole time, dude. I can't even. I don't even think I can. I have so many notes just about the behind the scenes of this that I don't. It's gonna be like an hour before I even want to start talking about what happens in the movie. I guess we can talk about the writing and just let's talk writing first, specifically in dialogue, because you mentioned like poetry and stuff like that earlier. Yeah, there's a lot of really amazing monologues in this movie. Oh yeah, dude. Like some movies would be lucky enough to have like one really good monologue. This has like four. Uh, this has like. <laughs> eight dude like almost every and there's not any dialogue for like the first 10 minutes of the yeah. movie mm -hmm. like it's all mood yeah that you're getting and it's a lot of silence and robert pattinson doesn't really get more than two sentences out until what 45 minutes into the movie like he starts to open up a little bit yeah he doesn't really talk much i mean he's he's you probably get the most out of him the first scene where he's like have a drink and you find out that he doesn't drink and stuff like that yeah you know? 
But yeah, no, I thought the same thing. I was watching it and I wanted to take my phone out and time when the first line came in. But then I didn't yeah. want to be that D-bag that took his phone out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I thought the same thing. I was like, man, like really just it's all just mood and atmosphere right now for, for a really long time. And a lot, of, again, visual storytelling, just showing you things and assuming that you're going to put it together. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, that one thing that you need to know, they're not going to hold your hand throughout this movie. <laughs> you really have to pay attention yeah. and like you're going to think about it. Afterwards. And there's a lot of things that are left unanswered. Yeah. There's a lot of ambiguity to this movie. Yeah. And I love that they did this thing right out of the gate because in any movie when you're writing it and you're, you know, if you're, if you want to talk story arc or character arc, you need to start your movie with their baseline. So what we first see of our characters is zero them at zero, but we actually meet these characters and they're both already a little bit off kilter. You could already tell that each of them has some secret they're both hiding something. So right away, you don't really know who to believe yet. Like neither one of them are set up as the absolute good or the absolute evil. I like that there is a moral ambiguity between the two characters. I don't like that they seem off from the from the get-go. You don't like that? No. See, I like that it there's an obvious mystery about both of their characters and that right away you can't immediately trust either one of them. We can get into it. You know, a lot of this movie is kind of like the descent into madness between the two of them. I would say more so Robert Pattinson's character. Yeah, definitely. But uh, for me, and you shit on me a lot, Joker ruined that a little bit for me with this movie. Really? Yeah. Uh-oh. And I, I don't want to say ruined it in terms of like the whole movie, but like Joker felt like a real evolution of a character throughout the whole thing. Yeah. This felt a little bit less subtle in terms because it felt like there was something off already and then throughout the whole movie you're kind of just like okay he's mad like he's crazy the whole time you were yeah. just waiting for it to happen it didn't feel as natural as something like like joker which is why i wish that they showed them a little bit more normal at the beginning and show what happened what the lighthouse does to you yeah or if it does anything to you because that's another question i think it does based mm. on the ending that was oh dude yeah that was so cool when when they do that trick with the sound. Yeah, they just crank crank it up. Yeah. Um. Ugh. How do you feel about it? I guess you completely disagree, <laughs> or I don't know if I completely disagree, but I definitely disagree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I think because I think if you want to do the comparison to Joker, the the main difference is Joker is a descent into madness and his acceptance of that madness and being reborn out of it. Mm-hmm as this new person. Whereas this is just that descent into madness and you stay at the bottom. That's it. There is no rebirth. There is no... But didn't you feel like he was mad the entire time almost? Didn't you feel like their baseline was a little too already there? See, more so what I was thinking is not even that Robert Pattinson's character is, you know, already crazy, but that he is just reclusive and quiet and everything. So it's like, you can't get a read on him, but that ambiguity over Willem Dafoe's characters really what drew me in where I'm just like, like, it seems like Robert Pattinson is being quiet because he has like a darker past. He doesn't want to get into, which they do hint at in like one of their earlier conversations together. I think they confirm that later too. They do confirm that later. But in that early time, then you have like this weird thing of just like, how come Willem Dafoe is so protective over who actually guards the light? 
How come, like, there's just, like, inconsistencies in his story. And at first in the beginning, it really feels like those inconsistencies are because Willem Dafoe is actually trying to hide something or is lying about things. And then as the movie goes on, it's like, is he or is Robert Pattinson just insane? So we are actually viewing this through kind of his lens. And that's why we are getting our facts mixed up while we're watching it. And we are being presented the facts in a jumbled way and seeing things in a way that he sees it because he's crazy. And that's where that ambiguity starts really with everything where it's like, is Willem Dafoe as innocent as his character says he is like in those moments where he's just like, you took the ax to the boat and then you started chasing me like a madman and everything. Mm -hmm. But what we saw is the opposite. We saw Willem Dafoe come at the boat with the ax and, tell him like you can't leave me and everything like that yeah. so is that that we he willem dafoe is also insane he actually did those things and in his hysteria flipped it on robert pattinson and then that's what's actually fucking with robert pattinson's mind or is robert pattinson's mind the lens that we're seeing it from and he has distorted the facts yeah you, I love a, that. It's the same thing as, as Joker, really, where you can't it's argue. It's not the same as Joker. It is. It, <laughs> wait, you don't, you don't think so? Not everything is the Joker, You don't right? think so? I'm I I'm see what you mean about, like... No, I'm saying the truth of the movie can be yeah. argued one way or another. Yeah, either way, you could argue both facts. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Mm -hmm. Listen, if this podcast just becomes... It's like the Joker. Welcome to Two Dudes Joker Reviews. You know, you know what I'm saying, though. No, no, no. I do, I do understand. I'm bust, I'm busting your balls a little bit, but no, I actually, I actually loved that we don't know our baseline out the gate. There is a mystery. There's an ambiguity because it also fits with the character archetypes that we're dealing with. Of like, sailors don't generally spill your beans <laughs> until long times at sea and long. Long rums, yeah, been drinking, yeah. So it kind of made sense that they were shrouded in secrecy in the beginning. That I was okay with it. Okay, yeah. I for me, I just felt like from the get go, you both because that's the thing. Like again, I don't want to get back on Joker, but like they established later on that he's unreliable. So you're led to believe certain things are one way for most of the movie. In this, I felt almost immediately like. I can't trust the two of them. So now I'm sitting here for almost the entire movie. Just like, I'm just going to watch it. Cause I have no idea what's real. and What's not. Yeah. I wish that they made you believe more. So at least the way that I felt, I wish I felt more so that there was one person who was like the straight man in this situation. I feel like by the end of it, I felt like it was Willem Dafoe. What? Yeah. Was straight man. You think so? Yeah. I, I truly do. I think that there were things he was hiding and lying about, but Especially when you get to like a lot of like the really weird stuff that you see, like you know the Squid Man stuff and the, yeah. the mermaid and uh, now that now, weird thing where like Robert Pattinson finds his own body on like the edge of the lighthouse and then like Willem Dafoe stand there naked and like this weird like <laughs> yeah almost like Atlas pose with like the light from the lighthouse beaming from his eyes. I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have weird sexual <laughs> dreams tonight. <laughs> Did you um did you read the thing where um Eggers just basically talks about like what the light is? Oh no, I didn't. So he doesn't really tell you, so it's still open for interpretation. Yeah. But he said that it's not it's not human. Oh, cool. I like that. So like that leads me to believe that he is somewhat insane because there is some sort of entity coming out of the light, whether or not it's like he's getting all knowledge about something or like, right. but there is something 
something like about cosmic this. about the light there. Right. That well, because he kind of goes into that in the burial scene, which that's an incredible yeah scene. I mean, the whole scene leading up to it too. The whole movie. I wrote down in my notes at least five times how just I either use mesmerized, captivated, like. <laughs> entranced by like these performances because there's not a word that you can miss in this movie because again super tight script and uh i could see a lot of people having difficulty understanding some of it it's a challenging movie especially since there's a lot of dialogue yeah it's very dense i was gonna say there's a lot of dialogue that's also kind of pulled like shakespearean almost like yeah for real uh very shakespearean not so much in the sense of the 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 wording or anything but in in the sense of like the just sheer depth of what they're saying yeah and the the density of the language and um it's very like rhyme of the ancient mariner like it, it's like a lot of these um almost like greek poetry too like uh like odyssey and stuff like that like it really has that kind of a feel like this well, really uh, oh like, you finish it because you were just touching on something that oh really yeah did you talk about like, because I could see that as being like a big influence. Is like, well, a big part of this movie is a retelling of Greek mythology. Oh yeah, yeah. Robert Eggers has said like that the witch for him was very subtle. Yeah, and that like everything in that movie was you had really had to pay more attention to it. Whereas he felt like this, he said he says a lot of it. Like, and I'm glad that I watched this after the fact because when I left the theater, I was like, some of his metaphors fucking whack yeah and then he said he was like he intentionally made a lot of things in this movie ham-fisted right so i was like oh okay so it's an intentional choice to kind of be very like bombastic and stuff like that right because i was getting a vibe from like when i went and saw mother two years ago and there's all this like retelling metaphorical symbolism and stuff like that yeah yeah. and and i was like none of this is smart i know what you're doing the whole time so like a lot of this like robert patton's character is prometheus Oh yeah, yeah, and and that's like Prometheus's story. He steals from like Olympus with. I'm pretty sure he steals fire. Okay, and then basically when he steals it, that basically like brings doom upon him. And that's and basically this, the killing of the seagull. The killing of the seagull. And then did you see a link between which and this with? Because uh, I kind of got the vibe that similarly using the seagull in this movie as this um, this beacon of doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the witch, it was the rabbit. Yeah, when she sees the rabbit in the woods, and it's just kind of like this this animal that you wouldn't like generally associate with death or evilness, wickedness. Yeah, uh, you would normally as- assume like a crow if you were to pick a bird, or if you were another animal like in the woods, maybe like a wolf or something. Uh, and there is a wolf in the witch, but but really like the rabbit, like this cute innocent animal that you wouldn't suspect of bringing such you know tragedy. And then it it is for that movie, and then in this one, the seagull, yeah, which they do link back to being like, oh well, like it carries the souls of, you know, past sailors and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. bad luck, bad luck. You kill you kill a seabird, <laughs> seabird. Yeah. He said he calls it a seabird. He calls it a gull at one point too. I like yeah, it. and he um, smacks the shit out. <laughs> I, I was gonna say though, you can take it as the bird, or you can take it as him breaking into the lighthouse at the end of the movie. Yeah, but then the repercussions for Prometheus in Greek mythology is that he's chained to a rock, and an eagle comes every day and eats his liver. Yeah, and because he's a god, it regenerates, so he's basically tortured in it. But right. then the last scene of this movie, spoiler, is Robert Pattinson's laying on the beach and he's getting eaten, eaten by, by seagulls. seagulls. Yeah, so I was just kind of like, you, you, you did it. 
Like, yeah. but then he said that that was his intent. So I was like, oh, okay. So as long as you're aware of it, because I think Darren right. Aronofsky, when he made Mother, he thought he was the fucking smartest dude yeah, in the world. Pulling a fast one on people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's smart then that Robert Eggers would come out and immediately acknowledge it. He's like, no, I did it. I did do it on purpose. Like, I don't want critics to come out and think that I was trying to be smooth about it. Like, he said that he wanted to do a movie that was like almost the polar opposite of The Witch. And that yeah. the witch is very like you know very subtle and like quiet, whereas this is very loud and in your face. Yeah, for sure. And you get that with like that sound design and that score. It's like yeah. it is very in your face. And another thing I I mentioned, there's something else that Robert Eggers has worked on that he pulls from. It's not that specifically, but he did an adaptation of the Telltale Heart, which is an Edgar Allan Poe. Oh right, poem, yeah. And Edgar Allan Poe did the Raven, and I think the Raven and the Gull are have a lot very of similarity. Similar, yeah, yeah. I did think it was weird, though, in the end when the seagulls were eating his his guts and uh, Robert Pattinson said, uh, not fun. Stop it now. <laughs> everybody, Stop it now. Everybody Google seagulls. <laughs> Bad lip reading. They need to make one called seabirds. <laughs> seabirds. But yeah, so... I thought it was cool that you just touched on Greek mythology or whatever because well, he's comes pulling across, directly from it. It comes across thick in this movie, so yeah. like that makes sense. And I didn't even pick up on the comparisons to like literal Greek mythology. Like you don't see a lot of that now. Like especially diving into such old kind of style of storytelling. Like he's very clearly infatuated with like folklore, yeah, and, and utilizing like those those old stories and like a very old style of storytelling that makes his work somehow unique, even though it's one of the oldest forms of entertainment, you know? Yeah. I feel Fucking like cool. I feel like a lot of the visuals and not a lot of them, but there are visuals that were just maybe feel very like, Oh, that's very Lovecraftian. Yeah. Dude. I love the visual when uh, Willem Dafoe is doing his like fury speech, his curse yeah. on, uh, on Robert Pattinson's character and uh, the lighting of that because like it's some Ooh, it's some so shades yeah it's like the only thing you could really see is like some of his nose his beard and his eyes mm-hmm. and the rest of his face is just blacked out by the shadows then he like moves in and out and it's like almost has like this like makes him look demonic and it's this whole thing where he's like curse you made trident slam you down and he's like and take every bit of your your skin and bones and your soul until there's nothing left of you and you are but the sea <laughs> and no one will remember thy name and like all this and he's going crazy because like they're they're basically like butting heads and like they've been drinking all night robert pattinson's like it's like i'm tired of your shit cooking and he yeah. gets willem dafoe gets so offended and like he looks like he's gonna cry and he's just like no you love my lobster say it not be true like you love my cooking he's like at least my lobster you like my lobster he's like oh whatever fuck you then he like gets super pissed does this long long probably the longest monologue in the whole movie and it's so intense and the whole time i'm like edge of my seat like heart pounding i'm like this is so good some of the best acting i've probably ever seen in my life and then all because he said his food sucked and then the way it ends is robert pattinson just lying on the bed he goes all right have it your way i like your cooking yeah (laughs) like there's humor in this movie there's funny moments in this movie i genuinely laughed at that this movie has so much craft and beauty, some of the best writing, two incredible actors, and there's also fart jokes in it. That's, I was about to say that. That's what I was waiting like, for you to stop so I could be like, yeah, this movie, like, 
it's I, so I, mentioned, I mentioned Mother, which came across super pretentious. This is not that because it is not above a fart joke. That's amazing. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I feel like that was so intentional that they were just like, it's such an undeniably good movie. Like, imagine if this wins Best Picture and then the scene that they play, because, you know, like they play clips. It's like, oh, nominated The Lighthouse mm-hmm. by Robert Eggert. The scene it plays is just the one where like Willem Dafoe's laying in bed is just like <laughs> just farting. <laughs> it's like, and your winner, the lighthouse. <laughs> and it plays it again, and it's no no dialogue. It's just Willem Dafoe farting. <laughs> I want that to happen. Like I feel like that's the whole reason. But it's amazing that there can be a movie that is getting such high praise, a high contender for a best actor nomination, a best picture nomination, probably, you know, cinematography, sound design, like all these things. And part of all of this is fart and poop. <laughs> yeah. And a, and a giant mermaid pussy. Yeah. That part, I honestly, though, like, I was watching that and I was like, that's the moment that is going to make people be like, fuck this movie. Dude. I, I guarantee it. I was telling, I was telling Megan, as soon as the movie ended and I saw the crowd around me, I could literally point to people and be like, that person hated it. That couple hated it. That person hated it. That guy loved it. <laughs> like, I can tell immediately people's reactions. And there was a guy who was sitting just two seats away from me. And I can tell he was super uncomfortable because there's like three different scenes where Robert Pattinson is masturbating. Yeah. There's a lot of really strange, intimate scenes in this. Like, I see a lot of people who are not like fully comfortable uh, with either <laughs> sex scenes or just um, just draining from from the ceiling. I know that's what I thought that was until like you see, or I guess that is what it was, or is it? But then you see like the octopus tentacle swing by or whatever. But yeah, like there's some really like visceral imagery in this yeah. that I can see a lot of people being one confused by and very off put. Yeah, by it. So just for clarification. The octopus thing was never there. Right. Yeah. 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 That's that's what I mean. Like, but that was that was some really thick jizz. Oh yeah, it was, it was crazy. Super thick. I was super jealous. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why not me? Yeah. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Mine's so watery. <laughs> what the Mine, fuck? Mine just comes out like a burst of dust. <laughs> 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 Again, this is a really highbrow movie. <laughs> the thing is, it is. It is, though. Yeah, no. I'm... That's what's so amazing about it. There's just there's jerking off and there's farting and Robert Pattinson <laughs> fucks a mermaid. But it's also one of the most intricately and beautifully crafted movies I've probably seen in like the last ten years. I told uh, this to Ryan. I was like, because he asked me how what I thought of it, and I said, "There's one scene in this movie that is worth the price of admission alone." And I want you to guess what it is. Oh man! Um, if, if there's one scene that you could watch back just to be like, "What was it?" Or not, "What well, was it?" But if there, there's one scene that you could well, just honestly, work- for me, the one scene that I just want to like play on repeat. I honestly wanted to find the monologue that he does, like the curse monologue, like when he's mm-hmm. yelling at him, because that's my favorite scene because of that the dichotomy of that scene of just the humor and the, the humor and the intensity. Yeah. It's just next level for me. So that's my like number one, but I'm trying to think like 
Because I feel like I see your face. I feel like you're goofing with me a little bit. I'm not goofing. It's just it, in is the, it when he's whacking the shit out of that seagull. Because yeah. that was when that started happening. I chuckled. I was oh, like, yeah. Oh my god, he won't stop. He it won't, is violent. It's really violent, and Peter really is gonna be pissed. Oh yeah, it is insane, and it, the blood splat. Oh dude, it's so cool. It's really, really intense and violent, and. He wails on that fucker. I, I yeah, I I had a I think I was by, I mean I was by myself, but I think I reacted out loud to that. I think I went like, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, damn. Because it's a huge turning point. Literally it's a turning point. Yeah. You were talking about it being hand fisted, like I think it didn't detract from the storytelling at all because it has a very like Homer esque not in like, you know, Simpsons Homer, but you know what I mean? Like Yeah, I know. In like that mythology, there is like an almost supernatural element to like the way that stories progress because they're myths and everything. So it's like, and at that moment, the winds change direction, and it's like, mm-hmm. and then that comes back later. He's like, I know what you did to that that seabird. It's like he's like, you're the reason the winds changed. You brought this storm upon us, like now, type thing. I'll I'll pose a question to you about that. Do you think that the storm prevented them from getting picked up, or do you think that Willem Dafoe intentionally got him drunk so he would miss the boat in the morning? Ooh, very interesting. Because that again comes back to like, who do you Who's believe? The crazy in the one, yeah. yeah. Who who do we believe? I think the point of the way that the story is told is we're supposed to be following Robert Pattinson. You're supposed to be team. You're supposed to be team Edward. Yeah, we're supposed to be team Edward. <laughs> uh, we literally but, like don't fucking pin yeah, don't pigeonhole sky in the Twilight, Twilight shit. shit. I'm team Edward. <laughs> I'm team Sparkly Diamond Skin. Uh, not Green Goblin, but. But yeah, no, I mean, that's an excellent question and it just makes me like the movie even more because I don't have an answer. Yeah, the way the way that I took it was that he got him drunk to miss it. And the only reason I believe that is also because he mentions his previous partner and his previous right. partner was was killed or whatever. I have a feeling something similar happened with his with his partner. Yeah. So I, well, cuz he talks about like his his last partner had like gone mad and like he thought there was something in the light or whatever that and he just got crazy with it and falling in love with sea witches and things like this and like basically telling exactly what ends up happening to Robert Pattinson. Yeah. There is now, something in the light okay. regardless of, of Yeah, ha- because like the door even opens on its own, but then again it's like is there? But they they show Willem Dafoe when he's staring into it and staring like, into he, it on he his own like, totally glassed yeah, over. Because and- there's there's scenes when Robert Pattinson's there that you have to assume are told from his perspective. Then there's other scenes where it's Willem Dafoe on his own, and I think those are the scenes you have to take at face value. Face value. Yeah. And so that I believe all like I believe that there's actually some sort of supernatural element to the lighthouse. That'd be super cool. Yeah. And it would make sense because the story did start as a ghost story. Yeah. circling a lighthouse mm-hmm. but then it would stand a reason why was there never issue before them like because the beginning of the movie there's a changing of the guards and you like you see the other people who were previously there loading up getting on a boat and going off so how is it that no one else has been affected by the same supernatural power well willem dafoe was there previously right he was there in the past but the way that like the lighthouse keeper gig works is that there's like changings of the guard it's like a position where you're only allowed to serve it for x amount of weeks because that much isolation like yeah people go crazy obviously stir we saw crazy that. yeah you go stir crazy so it being an official position like there is like shift rotation essentially so he has served at that lighthouse previously but the beginning of the movie starts with him and robert pattinson arriving to the island into the lighthouse and everything 
So that's why it begs the question, are they both unhinged? And it's just, we're watching Robert Pattinson's downfall, but maybe Willem Dafoe has already descended into that madness and maybe he is our Joker and he has actually been reborn of that and that's why he is so protective of the light because that is the source of his insanity. Yeah. So maybe there is no supernatural element to the light and he he has been driven mad by the light and because of his obsession with the light, it almost transfers over to Robert Pattinson because he's like, how come he won't let me in there? I need to know what's in there. There must be something. It must be something. And then he becomes mad. And then when he does finally gain access to the light, he imagines there is something because that would actually give him gratification for his own insanity. Mm -hmm. That's the only way he can receive a payoff for his own madness is if there is actually something to the light. Because if he gets up there and it's nothing, then what has all this been for for him? Yeah. So it could be a manifestation of his own want for there to actually be a power in there. Yeah, I guess. See? You could argue any point. Mm-hmm. I fucking love this movie. Yeah. I, well, I, I can tell you liked it more than I did. Really? Yeah. I think, and I haven't even brought this up, I think one of my big issues with it is, and it, it t- does tie into what I was saying with how their baseline is already, they're both crazy. Yeah. I just didn't really feel much for either character. Like, Oh, really? Yeah. Like, it feel much in terms of like... I didn't really you weren't like rooting for either yeah like of I wasn't them. really rooting for either of them and then it yeah. didn't get emotionally invested in them I just kind of because I didn't know what I was watching right that's that's the thing yeah that didn't bother me at all yeah I know <laughs> I, I you also know the type of ending I like oh and yeah like, and Megan does too she's like all of your favorite movies have the worst endings not in a sense of it's a bad ending to a story but just in a sense of I love tragic endings I love unhappy endings. <laughs> To watch a movie and then at the end of it, all of your characters are for the worse. (laughs) Wow. I love that. I love having just such a bad feeling at the end of a movie. I I told you, I was like, I think you'd like The Witch. (laughs) Yeah, I I loved it. I really loved it. But yeah, this movie, it over delivered on what I was expecting from the trailer. Nice. And then especially when I did the research on the craft behind it, I was just... My grade actually changed the day after I watched it to when I walked out of the theater. That's the thing. I think film lovers will really like this movie. Oh, they they we've will... been such snobs this whole time. <laughs> we've but there's, dude, we've here's been the talking thing, like... about Greek mythology and like <laughs> unleashing our depths of just like these like old old poetry and like we're such assholes. But <laughs> we're not dudes anymore. <laughs> we're two scholars movie reviews. Well here, here's the thing. We can we can bro out about a movie or we can go into like deep dive on That's all what of makes it. Us professionals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can do it all. But, um, you know, I think if you have an appreciation for film and a knowledge of like the craft and what goes behind it, you'll really you'll either really like it or you'll love this movie. Because, like we said at the beginning, everything about the making of it and the craft is next level. Yeah. I think if you are just someone who just wants to come and watch a movie, you're probably going to hate it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like if you're just a casual moviegoer who's like, I just need something to watch. Like, oh, this looks interesting. Yeah, that horror movie with Willem Dafoe. Let it's not see. a horror movie. Yeah. I got to say that right now. It's not a horror movie. Yeah. It was funny because it's, it's, I wouldn't even say it's a psychological thriller. It's like a psychological tragedy. It's like an anamorphous blob of whatever you want it to be because it's got everything it, in it. There's comedy, <laughs> but it honestly is closest to like a Shakespearean tragedy or like an old or uh, epic. That's what I was trying to think. Like, because there, there is like a, a name for those. Like, 
Homer Odyssey, like all that, they're epics. Mm-hmm. So it, it is very much like that. It is very highbrow, but not in like a up its own ass kind of way where it's talking down to its audience. It just is what it is. That's and, that was um when I mentioned that he was self aware and he was like, yeah, it's ham fisted. I was glad that he said that because I felt like it wasn't trying to like I felt like it wasn't at yeah. first, and then that that helped it a lot for me. I was like, thank God. Yeah, I could tell again the people that were liking it and weren't liking it in the theater. The people in my theater pissed me off, though. I will say that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I be- had a very quiet theater. I was happy. No, because, like, they, I think the majority of the people in my theater were like, what the fuck is this trash? So, yeah. like, during all those monologues, people were laughing out loud. Oh, that would drive me insane. Yeah. That would have, because I would have been so entranced by it that if somebody took me out of it, I would have lost my shit. M- maybe, maybe if it was a different crowd, maybe I would have... Were there a lot of people in your showing? Yeah, it was a, it was a good amount. I yeah. really want people to see this movie, so I'm happy there were a lot of people. But when I went, it was the first showing on a. Oh, it was Friday. It was the opening opening day for it. Going wide, there were maybe seven other people there besides me. Yeah, there was a lot of people in the theater, and it was driving me crazy because I was sitting there trying to take in everything because I knew it was a very heady movie. Yeah. And people were like laughing out loud at things because they were just like scoff. It was like a scoff laugh. Like, what the fuck is this trash? Well, that's what I mean. I I think a lot of people, if they are unsettled or if they're jarred by certain uh, emotions or scenes or like, like I said, visceral imagery, that's a common reaction to something that makes you uncomfortable is like, if you laugh at it, it's, it's like same thing with like scary movies. If I laugh at it, I won't be scared. Yeah. It's like, if I, if I just make fun of this, it won't make me feel uncomfortable anymore. It's like a defense mechanism for a lot of people, mm-hmm. which is why I hate going to movies in Middletown because <laughs> people are fucking stupid. I think people were doing that with Midsummer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I have to reflect the opposite emotion in this moment. Otherwise, I'm going to get sucked into this moment, and it's not a very easy thing to sit with. Yeah. Because that is this movie. It's not easy to sit with. I can see this movie really upsetting a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I think, honestly, I think the thing that's going to really upset people is the sexual aspects of it. Right. And the, that's and the, that's, and the, and the yeah. visual cues, or whatever you want to call them. Like, the, the graphic nudity, I think, is going to yeah. bother people. Yeah, for sure. I don't think that, there's not, no, no violence or anything that's going to really upset people. Well, if you love birds... Yeah, I guess if you, I guess if you <laughs> if love you're birds, an animal lover, like Megan know. would hate that scene. Yeah, if you're an animal lover, but like I know some people like don't like seeing like humans hurt, harm other people, stuff yeah. like that. Oh, I cannot wait to fucking see this movie again. I actually want to before we before we get into our grades, just go over the categories for the Oscars and say which ones we think it has a chance to be nominated. for. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, because I think it could be nominated for a lot of them. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna go probably I guess from. I guess least importance and yeah from from, from <laughs> no wh- offense to whoever wins that Oscar though I guess yeah no <laughs> you're the least important I'm, Oscar I'm going off of the way that the Oscar has the yeah they announced pres- the winners yeah. yeah so best costume design yes yeah I would say that it does have a chance at that I'd say uh, definitely a nomination don't know for sure if it's a winner because Rocket Man has some amazing costume design in it. Yeah. So I, I could see that one getting a nomination in that category as well. I think Rocket Man. They're very here's, different. Here's the thing Rocket Man had things that it just needed to remake. This was original and it's going for more authentic to a period. But it's also only for two characters. Yeah. So I don't and know. And they're essentially wearing the same thing in every scene. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no. I'm gonna say Rocket Man goes gets that. But yeah, no, yeah. I could see but it I think being that, I think it does deserve a nomination because of everything you just said, the authenticity. Yeah. And the originality. You think film editing? Yeah. 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 It's absolutely. Fu- it's funny because uh Robert Eggers talked about like the editing and they were basically like, Was there anything that like didn't make it? And he was like, No. Everything we filmed, that's in it. Like like he just yeah. like we, we use it all. It has to be there. It's like yeah. okay. Which makes sense. The movie's not very long either. Yeah. Hour forty. I think film editing it it could get there. It could be in there. Yeah, that's one I don't feel as strongly that's, about. Yeah, that's another one where I don't think it'll win, but I think it deserves a nomination. Yeah, there's there's a few times where I I felt like the movie maybe dragged a tiny bit, but uh, it could be. Yeah, best original music would that be like score? Yeah, I throw yeah definitely throw that in. There. I think it could be there, be in there. I'm trying to think of what other movies I've seen this year that actually had so, a score that blew me away. I might even say that that would be that could win either that or Joker. Could be a winner because Joker's score is incredible, and it's like another thing that like really becomes like another character in the movie, and yeah. like really helps. I actually essentially... really liked Us's score, also. Oh yeah, Us's score is amazing. Yeah, best sound editing. We've already talked about this for sure. I think it's. I think this one is a win. Yeah, I, I think so. Sound design's not something that stands out all the time for me. It's not even something I really paid attention to a lot until we started doing the podcast and really dissecting movies. But it immediately—it's literally my first note in it. The sound design in this movie is incredible. Yeah, uh, best cinematography. Yes, I and think, I, and I actually think there might be a best cinematography black and white category. Really? Yeah, that's weird. Is I'm looking that at many black and white movies. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Maybe that's one that they don't air often. But yeah, best cinematography, black and white. Well, definitely black and white. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think I've seen any other black. And I white think movies it, this I, th- year. I think it would be in just regular though. If there was just best cinematography, I think it would count for that category as well. What else do you think has better cinematography than this? Midsummer has really good cinematography. Joker's got pretty good cinematography. Yeah, I mean, that's hard to say. Because, I mean, we have gotten a lot of, like, big action movies this year, and we've gotten a lot of really underwhelming movies this year. Yeah. Well, there is a movie that we've seen that I think should actually win cinematography that we're not allowed to talk about. Okay. Okay. That's that's kind of the other reason why I'm like, "Eh, I don't know if I should say. You just jogged my memory. Okay. So I don't think that this is going to win, but I think it'll be nominated for cinematography. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Best original screenplay. Ooh, um, definitely nominated. Yeah, I don't know if it would win though. There's some really good original screenplays. Now, I think I, th- I think this has a chance to win that. I think it definitely has a chance. I I think if this one does take best original screenplay, I would not be mad at all. Mm-hmm. But I do think there are some heavy contenders, and there's a lot of movies that have a a lot of buzz behind them that are coming out very soon, like Queen and Slim stuff like that. So yeah. And uncut gems. So for all we know, one of these movies are going to come and it's going to be like next level insanity. And I think Joker would be adapted screenplay, correct? Because yeah, it is it, it based on be. a comic book character, even yeah. though it is an original story. I think they count it as adapted. Yeah. Okay. I'll just do a couple more. Supporting and lead actor. I don't even know who would be which one. I, I, I think Pattinson would be lead and I think Defoe would be supporting. You think so? Well, I think yeah. because the way the story is told, we are kind of following Pattinson, but we hear more Willem Dafoe. Yeah. I think Pattinson's your le- would be your main character. I though. think that is how it is. I would say nomination for both of them. I think Dafoe not, has a chance. I think Willem Dafoe is my number one with a bullet for winning if he's a supporting actor. Mm-hmm. And I think Robert Pattinson, I would be fine if he won, but I, I'm not confident that he would definitely win. But I, I don't think anybody has matched 
Willem Dafoe's performance from a as from a supporting actor standpoint. From a supporting actor, yeah. Yeah. If he was a lead actor, do you think? Yeah. You think he would win? Willem Dafoe's performance in this movie is my favorite from the entire year. Wow. And I know you love Joker. I liked Willem Dafoe's performance in this better than I liked Joaquin Phoenix as Joker. It's blasphemy. I'm throwing it down. No, I liked Joaquin Phoenix so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to break the poster on my way out. No. <laughs> I I think if he's supporting, I think he'll win. I think if he's lead, I don't think he'll win. Okay. I think he'll be nominated. I, I could agree with that. I think he'll be nominated regardless. Yeah. I think he should get nominated for supporting, and I think... If that's the case, he will absolutely win. You know what's funny? Another reason why I think he might be supporting is because I've been reading articles where it's like people are predicting like this is most likely who the top five is going to be for lead actor and stuff like that. Yeah, and he's never not he's never mentioned once. Got so you. I'm assuming so, yeah. people are putting him in the category for for supporting. Is he second build? That I don't know because that would basically be your answer. Yeah, and then best picture. Yeah, definitely get a nomination. I guess it would really depend on the rest of the category, but yeah, I think it. I think you gotta I'm hold out on that for uh, movies that are coming. Yeah, because I'm assuming leaving Marvel movies out of it because like it's getting really hard for me to make a top list for like the duties coming up because as a film, this is like next level as an in, like an enjoyment factor, and it pains me to say this. This type of movie almost makes me better understand Martin Scorsese's comments about Marvel movies of like how they are like amusement rides. I don't agree with that, but I think that there have been much better movies than Endgame this year, but no movies have made me feel as good or as, you know, has had as much impact as Endgame. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Endgame made me cry numerous times. It makes me laugh. Like I'm excited. I got chills. I still get chills when I watch certain scenes. Like I'm it, grappling with that same problem too. Because if I think about my list right now, both Joker and Endgame are like probably like top five. Or, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, but it's like, but it, that's the thing. I'm like, I know certain movies are better than Endgame, but in terms of what Endgame was, no movie has ever done that in my entire life. Like yeah. I've never gotten that much enjoyment out of anything. That's why I keep not even my own son. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking about I'm like, am I really gonna clump Endgame in with like the lighthouse or like Joker. Hollywood? Yeah, you know what I mean? so, Hollywood. So it is really tough. I almost wish Endgame didn't come out this year because I feel like I'd have like a really smart, hip, artsy top ten. But now I'm going to be like a mix of just like blockbuster action flicks and then like really artsy, snobby film. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's going to happen no matter what, though, every year. Yeah, probably. There's a few movies last year that like I just I really liked that. I'm like, this isn't really like film, but I really loved it. Like Ready Player One was like up there for me and like Upgrade was up there for me. And that's like not like highbrow. You know what I mean? Oh, you know what category we didn't do? Best Director. Oh, yeah. I think he deserves a nomination in that. Yeah. Possibly a win because he's doing things that no one else is doing. Like, he's using... They're literally creating rigs and old equipment and creating sets, like... And, like, being director, writer, this being, like, a full creation of his. Like, honestly, I was talking about it with Megan. You know, we talked about in Midsummer. we were kind of lumping... Not lumping together and, like, you know, uh, painting with a broad brush, but comparing the careers so far of Ari Aster and Jordan Peele. Robert Eggers needs to be in that same conversation. Yeah. Granted, his film style is different from theirs, but also they're different from each other. Like, 
they are all doing such distinctly different things while also kind of bending the rules of their genres. Mm -hmm. Like Jordan Peele, especially with like blending comedy and horror and suspense. And obviously Ari Aster just totally like rewriting and flipping the script of what a horror movie can and should be. And then you have Robert Eggers, who with The Witch is like a little bit more straightforward of a horror movie, kind of. But it is very much like psychological. And then this is obviously more psychological than I would say it is a horror. And then still like blending like elements of comedy. But then they all have such distinctly different styles of storytelling. And they're all only two major motion pictures in on their career. And they're all original screenplays, writer directors of their own works. Like, yeah, those three for me are like they got to be top three for horror right now. I I'm gonna get a like a Mount Rushmore tattoo, <laughs> and that's three out of four of the Mount Rushmore right there. Think, so who would the, the last one be? Well, Scorsese burned a bridge for me, and so did Spielberg this year. Well, no, I'm just saying for for strictly horror films. Oh, horror. Um, I would probably say John Carpenter for me. That's a good one. Because even outside of horror, like I love so many of his movies, like Big Trouble, Little China. We we talked about him, yeah, uh, in our bonus Halloween episode. You're welcome, Swampies. Two in one week. Suck on that. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get into tomato tomatoes on this, please? The critics are bringing it in at a ninety-two percent. Okay, A minus. Yep, right. A minus. Okay. The audience I feel like it's gonna be low. Tomato bringing it in at a seventy-six percent. Sounds about right. It is that's plummeting though because it was in the eighties yesterday. Wow, that makes even, total sense. Even over the course of a day, it's gone down like six percent. I don't want to read reviews of it, but now I kind of do. I know it's gonna make me mad because I've read negative reviews of Hereditary, and I like almost like threw my phone into the fucking street. <laughs> like I was so angry looking at it. I'm gonna say tomato. Do you want my grade now? Yeah. Do you want... I think I know what it is. When I wrote, when I left the theater and I put it in my phone, that baby was an A. Mm-hmm. Today it's an A+. Plus. And I... it has been every day since Saturday, which is yesterday at the time of recording this. <laughs> at the time of release, it was two weeks ago. But it has been an every day since yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really with doing the research and finding out more about the craft behind it. Cause in watching it, I wrote down, I'm like, this must've been shot on film. I kept writing down things like this doesn't look like after effects. Like I kept writing, I'm really interested at, at how this was set up and then learning that it's completely built from the ground up. All those buildings, they built breakaway walls basically. So that like when they're filming scenes, like they could just take a wall out and then and they can move the dolly. It. it was shot only with a dolly and crane. You know what's you know what's funny, real quick, just yeah. about that, like positioning the camera and being able to remove stuff. Yeah, I started listening to the the Office Girls podcast. Mm -hmm. They were talking about how because that is a like documentary style, like you know what I mean. Yeah, there was a big debate over the integrity of moving the scanner, or I think it's the scanner or the fax machine behind Pam to get certain camera angles. Yeah, and they wished that they like could have moved certain things, but they didn't because they wanted to keep it like. Perfect. Perfect. For, like, every but shot. that's something that people don't think about is when like you're building sets and stuff, you have to like actually remove walls and stuff like that to yeah. like to get the camera where you want it to be, where you you know right. if you want to get the shots. So get. yeah, just that level of ingenuity and literally Frankensteining a camera together with three different eras <laughs> of camera pieces. They said it kept breaking. <laughs> yeah, they had to keep fixing it because they were actually shooting in the elements too. Like when it's when it's raining a lot of times in this movie, 
it's really raining. Like that's not special effects. They're not on a sound stage with somebody like with a hose up top. It's torrential downpours on a real island in the ocean. Yeah. So it's I'm pretty sure it's incredible. in Canada. It's so epically cool and original and beautiful and ugly and gritty and intense and funny and I fucking love this movie. For me, I'm also going tomato. Okay. And I'm going A minus. Okay. Yeah. You suck. Yeah. Sorry, man. <laughs> Sorry. I just I couldn't get attached to any character. And that's huge for me. But I don't the, know if I was attached, but I was riveted. You're riveted? Yeah. That's a, that's a good word. I I mean I was interested. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And like I said, the craft behind the movies there in almost every aspect. For me, it was just like, didn't really like any character in the movie. Granted, I don't know if they want you to, but I just really couldn't like even get into them. And I knew from the get-go, I didn't know what was real. Right. So I was kind of sitting there just just watching. Soaking it in. Yeah. It's still, it's one of the best movies to come out this year, I would say. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. I would be full-blown surprised if it doesn't land in your top 10. Although we do have a lot of really highly lauded movies coming out very soon. Yeah. I haven't even thought about a top 10 yet. I know like my top three, probably top five, maybe. We got to get started on that. We're almost uh, we're almost out of October. By the time this episode comes out, this is going to be, I think, our first episode in November, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Or second around, episode in November. Around this time, like mid-November last year, I actually like broke down like my whole list and like color-coded them based on like is this a potential top 10 movie? And then like, basically like these are ones that I know are like potential bottom 10 ones. And then like try to break them down that way. And so then, then organize them. Yeah. So then when movies came out after that, I would just kind of lump them in a category because and then you would, yeah, I was going to actually ask you off air, but I'll ask you now. Like I was going to try to grab from you. Like, all right, how did you break down your, cause it was easy for me to make a top 10 and a bottom 10. Cause I only saw 26 movies. Yeah. So, <laughs> But having this many movies to sort through, by the time we have our duties, we'll probably both be near 200, if not over. So that's a lot of movies to go through. and Because then you get into this weird space where you're like, well, I would put this one at like, whatever, number 195. But now it's a game of, do I like this more than this, but less than this? You know what I mean? Especially when you're trying to balance all your Fs. Well, that's that's just what I did, honestly, is because I had five different colors, yeah. basically. The one is basically that's potential bottom 10, that's potential top 10. And then the other colors are basically like, is this in the A range, but not something you'd put in like your top 10 or is it like a mediocre right. or like almost good... like your honorable mention yeah. list and everything. I got and you. then, but then like, yeah, it all comes down, at least for me. And I think the, that's the way that if you go on YouTube or whatever and you watch a lot of people do like a top 10 or like critics that write it, I think a lot of it is they come at it from like, this is my personal top 10. Yeah. Well, that's how so, we, I mean, that's pretty much how we do everything on yeah. here. Because that's why our grades can differ. Because if we did just take in, if I went just like, based on craft cold, and as cold, a film, yeah. then this would be an A plus. Right, exactly. So, it, different things weigh differently for each other. As is any listener, it's like we might explain something to you as something that we hated, and you might be sitting there going like, "Oh, I actually like liked that." So, like, don't don't feel bad if we're shitting on something. It's just <laughs> this is just how we feel and we are unapologetically expressing our opinion because that's what podcasts are for. <laughs> but everybody likes different shit. 
And that's okay. That's the moral of our podcast, I guess. <laughs> you stupid <laughs> but, swampies. But yeah, it, it, it comes down to, especially when that, that that many movies, I'm just like, I got these two movies, like, which one would I rather watch a second time? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, like uh, almost like the criteria for the list changes by which area of the list you're in. Yeah. Like, all right, which movie, like, gave me the most emotional, like, connection? And then, like, towards the middle, you're like, all right, which one made me laugh at least once? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> like give me something. Or especially with, like, the Fs. So, like, which one did I not want to blow my brains out at the end of? Yeah. Because that's basically going to be it. And la- last year, if you listen to our last Other Duty episode, my Fs also take in consideration, like, potential. Right. Because, like, I had Jurassic World in bottom 10. And, like, there are movies that were worse than Jurassic World, but the potential that Jurassic World had and what it wasn't made it in the bottom 10 And that's kind of how I felt this year about Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Now, who knows where it's going to land in my bottom or top 10. Mm. But that's what <laughs> that's what the duties is for. We've been teasing the duties for a few episodes now. I'm really getting excited. Yeah, that's because I think we're both hyped. Yeah, I really want to get the Swampies hyped because I want to get... I want to get you guys involved in our duties. I want you guys to help us maybe even come up with some categories. That'd be really cool. Yeah, we can do some polls and maybe even you guys can vote for your own duties like on our Instagram stories. We can come up with some fun games there for you guys to do that way. You know, it's not just about us. This podcast has never just been about you and me, Colin. Granted, we're the only two names on the show, but it's also about the Swampies. So like, we want to do some fun stuff for you guys. We're changing the name, actually, to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky and Colin and also the Swampies. And also <laughs> all of the Swampies. It's going to be really long and really hard to search. Yeah. yeah we man. should just change the name to The Swampy Cast. Yes, The Swampy Cast. No one will know what we do. The, the band of Swampies. Ooh. <laughs> that's our new band name. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited for the future of our podcast and what movies we have coming out soon. Keep your eyes peeled, folks, because we got some really cool stuff coming. We just dropped a super awesome, well, I enjoyed it, bonus episode. Oh, I liked it too, yeah. Yeah, where we we did our, I think it was our first retro review, right? That was our first retro review, yeah. Nice. So that's something we're going to do occasionally for like special episodes, bonus episodes, when we have the time to do so. I think when we started this show, we were, the intent was to do more, or at least the hope, I think your hope was that we could do more. Right, and then we came up with summer. Sorry, summer cram 2019. Tugboat. By the way, I just have to say real quick. I forgot to say it in our Zombieland review, so I'm saying it now. Yeah. The part where the hippies were playing music and the one guy had the didgeridoo, I lost my mind at oh, that. that was pretty good. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Uh, but yeah, so we wanted to do more... Bo- I wanted to do more bonus episodes. Then we came up with Summer Cram 2019 where we started doing two episodes a week. And then we were like, all right, maybe we don't do bonus episodes for a while. But mm-hmm. it basically was bonus episodes. Two episodes a week is nuts. Yeah. I had so much fun doing that, though. Yeah. That Look was forward to next summer now. Yeah. It. <laughs> I like how we got our little seasons because we got the you know the beginning of of the show our slow season our slow season but that was a perfect time to start because there weren't too many movies to bog us down and overwhelm us mm-hmm. and we got to get our footing find yeah. find our voice come up with some segments make the show fun I think the slow season also gives us more opportunities to do bonus episodes where we can because we did like that's right we did like Marvel stuff we did our duties then and stuff so we can maybe do more then 
then we got the summer cram. Now we've got like Oscar season because I feel like now we're probably going to be for the most part, 80% of the time, maybe even more doing like a movie we really like. Yeah. So super excited about that. We don't have to do any more Gemini man or <laughs> uh pet cemetery or whatever other garbage movies. We've Gemini seen man's really been the only one recently where it was like a, yeah, it was a drag true. to do because even when we did the fanatic, we, we laughed at it for yeah. a, you know, a lot. Yeah, exactly. So, Super exciting. And, you know, we got the holidays coming up, so we're going to do bonus episodes for that. And who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we give ourselves a break around the holidays where, uh, you know, you just get a short bonus episode and not like a regular review. Who knows? We haven't gotten that far. We haven't gotten there yet. But, you know, we want to bring you guys special stuff. We want you guys to be involved. So stay in touch with our social media, To Do's Movie Reviews. Go to todosmoviereviews.com. You can contact us there if you want to. You can check out our written reviews. You could find our episodes, find our merch shop, leave us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, all that stuff I've probably already talked about in the beginning episodes. So you guys already know what to do. And that's... Suck it, swampies. Ark! <laughs>